What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Josh here. I'm here with my boy Shane. What's up, fellas? Everybody, we got some ladies in the group too. Holla at them. Awesome. <laughs> What's up, All ladies? Right. All right, we're live. So, uh, we're coming at you. It's uh, Wednesday night, May 20th, 2020. Coronavirus stage three, level five. <laughs> uh, so today we're going to be talking about um, costly business mistakes. Costly and, business mistakes from ten years of doing business. Man, we could we could actually do about four or five weeks of this. Yeah, we could. We could. There's always business mistakes. Always. So, so we're gonna try and uh, go down memory lane and um, try to think about all the costly mistakes that have uh, hit us along the way. Oh, um, yeah. That costed us thousands. I mean, literally thousands of dollars. Uh, let's let me say, hundreds of thousands. Yeah, hundreds of thousands. Safely, we could say that for yeah. sure. I mean, definitely for you, for me. Yeah, I would say over over the amount of time span. But for you, it's like one deal. <laughs> that, that's why. I, that deal. Yeah, that's why I always tell you, man. I was like, the what happened to you was like a compression of five years of entrepreneurship like smashed into one, one deal, you know, oh, man. Uh, because everything you experienced happened to me, but over, you know, five or six years, not and in so, six months, not in six months. Yeah. Where all that, uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about that. So um, yeah, I'll kick it off and talk about um, my journey. So the first kind of thing that comes to mind whenever we're talking about costly mistakes is uh, my business partner that I had. And so when we got into business together, it was our first, you know, official pen and paper business that we had a bank account and, and all that good stuff. And so it would have been technically the first LLC that I've set up. And uh, we went, we found, we Googled like the best business attorney in Dallas. Can't remember the guy's name. And, uh, and he even told us too, you know, he is funny. Cause like, whenever we went to his office, um, he was like, well, you know, if anything ever happens between you two, you know, I can't help you, <laughs> you know, cause, uh, uh, what is it? What is that called? Uh, can't remember the name for it. Uh, conflict of interest, you know, like, uh, cause he's representing both of us. He can't represent one of us in case a, a disagreement comes up. So, um, that would have been the first thing I would have been uh, like, I should have got my own attorney. He should have got his own attorney. And then we should have came together and drafted the LLC and partnership agreement. Uh, so that would be the first lesson right there is uh, having separate attorneys, two people to review. Cause when things got bad, we actually looked at the LLC paperwork that he set up for us and uh, in one section, there was a there was another company's name in there. 
And so he was just cranking these things out, you know, just it's a template that he uses and yep. he just forgot to charge templates. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, shit, he charged us, I think it was $1,200, you know? Made all kinds of mistakes. Didn't even yeah. have the right names in there. Yeah, exactly. That's Bush League. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, uh, you know, it was easy prey. We were easy prey for him, you know? Can't be mad at him looking back on it now. I mean, two, you know, fucking 20 something year olds coming to his office and, uh, you know, say, you know, big ambitions and blah, blah, blah. We've got a thousand, you know, it'd be easy piece of cake to what, take. That what age from. were you when you, when you did that? What age um, so I was, I would have been, um, I think 24. Yeah, that's beautiful, man, that you started. So you, you, you make all them rookie mistakes in your 20s, man. You, you're golden yes. in the next 20, 25 years, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That really – yeah. So, yeah. I'm making, I mean, I'm making mistakes at mid-40s, man. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to make the mistakes then. Right, and then get them out the way. So, that's you know, right. looking back at it now, you know, it's it was a you know blessing. As we say with everything in, in the future, right? Or like, you know. Like that, but um, but yeah. So uh, he should have got his attorney. I should have got my attorney. We should have came up with it together. Um, All right, so, so what made what made the partnership fail? What's yeah, the, what, what made, the partnership, made fail? the partnership fail? Well, he <laughs> it was a girl, not in between us, though, but he he got with a new girl. He got with a new girlfriend, and so typically when that happens, I've seen this time and time again. I've actually saw it pretty recently. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, remember the revenue generating machine? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So come to find out, he just got with a, with a girl right now. And so... <laughs> the revenue started to dip? Yeah, the revenue started to dip. So that's when uh, that's what happened. There. But yeah, so the, the partnership was sacrificed when, um, you know, my partner, he got with a new girlfriend. And then he I guess he wasn't able to dedicate amount of time that I was to the business. And so I would call him out like, Hey man, you got to be up here. You know, if you come to the, if I'm at the office at eight or 10 or whatever, I need you to be with, with, with me right here, working, you know, working right next to me. You can't be leaving early and coming late and, yeah. and all that stuff. And so it caused some, uh, you know, animosity. Between yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some friction between us. And so, um, that was kind of like the beginning of it. Then I come to find out that he was starting another business, but he was doing it behind my back with our CPA that I, I found the CPA and we interviewed the CPA and he's going to this guy's office to set up his LLC. And I followed him one day and I was like, I see where you're going. <laughs> Why are you going there? PI work. Huh? A little PI work. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta protect, you know, the empire, you know? And so well, what you what you hit on is one of the things, you know, I was in banking forever. And when I look at the successful partnerships that actually do make it, there's a lot that fail. There's a lot that don't. And what you hit on there is the number one thing. One partner's doing more of the work than the other. Right. OK, so I've, I've got a partnership right now where the guy runs the business, you know, almost 100 percent. And I don't do that. And one of the key things that for us to maintain what we do is he gets all the money. Right. He gets a big paycheck, so he can't complain that I'm not pulling my weight because he's getting a lion's share of the cash. Right. So that's what I would advise right there. Mistake number one. If 
have a clause in there of if somebody starts to work more than the other, both of you have to agree that that's really taking place. And if that's taking place, then you got to modify the compensation. Yeah. So if both you guys are making 50 grand and all of a sudden one guy's working harder than the other and you agree that it's 60, 40, then one guy needs to make 60 grand. The other one makes 40 and keep adjusting that because you might have to re- revisit that all the time because the guy who's doing all the work, he gets pissed off really fast, man. Yeah. It does not take long for that guy to get really pissed and blow that partnership up. So you right. got to make sure that guy is always getting compensated. And right. if money can't solve that anymore, then uh, it's good to have a buyout clause in there. Yeah, and, and it's also good to have like a third party guy, yeah. a neutral third party that can be like a mediator for both of you. So can and you uh, guys agree? And you guys go agree to go to the mediator, and then, but you got to be in agreement that you're going to be flexible, and you're going to modify agreements on the fly, you know, to make sure that both parties are satisfied. Right. Yeah, the, so the buy that would be the that would be the next thing that I would talk about. So initially, when you're setting up the paperwork with a partner, buyout agreement in case of any disputes that happen, uh, or exit agreement, whatever you want to call it, doesn't matter what you call it, right? As long as you got it documented, you know what I mean. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it came it came out to, you know. Uh, when like the LLC paperwork, I didn't read it, you know, and uh, whenever I first did it, on my first one and it kind of bit me in the ass, but at the end of the day, if I just, you know, took the time to read it, it's, it's not, it's, it's kind of legal jargon, but there is some stuff that can make sense uh, on there. And, you know, it's always good to have a, another set of eyes because these attorneys and stuff, I mean, they're cranking out, you know, 50, 60 a week of these things. And, uh, you know, they're bound to make a mistake or forget something. And at the end of the day, you got to look out for yourself, you know, and, and I didn't do that. And, uh, and then the, the non-compete agreement. So uh, whenever we ended up splitting up, the non-compete agreement uh, was only for one county. So it was county specific, uh, but I would have rather preferred it to be uh, state, you know, state specific. Like, hey, we're splitting up. I'm going to buy your share of the business. This is the X amount of payment plan that we came up with. But the non-compete agreement would be, uh, valid for the state of Texas. So you cannot start a competing business with me in Texas. Um, and so because I, I overlooked that, um, the attorney who made the agreement only put, um, Dallas County. And so he, he opened a business that was competing with me right outside of Dallas County, um, and was secretly doing events within Dallas County as well. Yeah. So, uh, Very good point. You know, if like you, if you're a restaurant, you don't necessarily have to cover all those counties, but in the case that you're in, right, you did need to cover all those counties, right? So, that, that, that's a good point on that, too, bro. Yeah. So, looking back on it, then, uh, and then also having the non compete in there and also having it dictate what happens if it's breached, okay? <laughs> like, like, uh, because if it's not clearly written, then it could just be like, well, here's a thousand dollars. Let's settle it and move on, you know? Yeah. And, and the attorneys, because the deal to them is not worth a lot of money, they want to try and just fix it whatever way and, and push it out and get it done and, and get it off their dock, you know? Uh, that's, that's my experience with it. Um, because, I mean, at the end of the day, 
they're, they won a, you know, a car accident uh, case, you know, with a hundred grand payout potential. And they don't care about your, you know, your little thousand dollar dispute or, you know, uh, $10,000 dispute or something like that. Right. So is that, how did you feel when you worked with your attorney uh, or working with attorneys and stuff like that? Uh, you obviously get what you pay for. Yeah. Right. But that is true, yeah. uh, attorneys are expensive. You know, I, I remember when we were selling that restaurant, we priced out several attorneys and they all wanted five grand. Yeah. I was like, man, that's ridiculous. This is a template, right? Right. The same template. They've got a couple things they modify in there and, and they want five grand. And I, I just wasn't going to pay it. Right. So we, we found one cheaper. And I, I'll be honest with you, his, his knowledge base, you could tell right out of the gate, was not the knowledge base of the guys that wanted five grand. Right. But uh, we were still happy in the end. You know, you ask the right questions and you lead them exactly where you want to go. And, and they, they tend to button that up a little more. Yeah, exactly. If you're easy bait, if you're easy prey, they're going to eat you up. But if you ask the questions, hey, what's this? Why is that? You know, you, you know, squeaky, squeaky gets the oil, right? You know, that's right. and so that that is true. That is true. And sometimes at the end of the day, uh, you got to look out for you and other people are not going to look out as good as, you know, they don't have your best interest at heart. They just want to get the job done and get, you know, Collect the cash. Collect the cash. All right, man. You told me another good one when we were sitting on uh, standby waiting to go live about hiring. Oh, man. Friends and family. Friends and family. Friends and family. Give 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 a quick synopsis of that. <laughs> uh, so uh, where to start? I hired my whole family. My whole family worked for me at one point. <laughs> um and the no longer works for you, right? Yeah, nobody nobody <laughs> works, nobody talks anymore. Nobody works, nobody talks. Yeah, no so, more Christmas dinners together, right? No more Thanksgiving, no more Christmas. So that's anyway. that's the drawback to that. That's a drawback. I don't know. Some people have figured it out. We ordered meat online today from a, a farm, Seven Sons Farm. And uh seven, you know, imagine having seven sons and seven, you know, wives and oh man, that's and running a farm, like with all the animals, but they they seem to figure it out. It was yeah, really good. Some of them do, man. Yeah, and when you do, you know, it works great. Well, one of but, the best customers I had was a father son duo. They were in the hotel business, and they were amazing together. They they were best friends. Yeah. And the dad built the hotels. The son managed the hotels, and the, the dad was also a CPA. And they is a match made in heaven, man. They yeah, they're killing it. Right. Yeah, it can be done. It's done well. I mean. My thought going into it was like, hey, some somebody I can trust, somebody I can make sure that they're not stealing, that they'll show up to work and, and get the job done. But, uh, yeah. All right, I'll, give you, I'll give you one. Yeah. You ready for one? Yeah. All right. So uh, when, when you do an acquisition, you were talking about a breakup of a partnership, you know, kind of buying people out. Um, I'm going to talk about the acquisition. So I bought a restaurant. And it did not work out well. Got all kinds of mistakes in there. But one of the mistakes was, you first thing is you can't trust anybody, right? Everything's got to be in writing. It's got to be black and white. I felt like I was uh, not told the full story. And I could have had an owner finance piece in there. So my bit of advice is keep some owner finance piece in there and have a clawback on that. So what a clawback is, is, 
you set the parameters up, whatever they are. And if those parameters don't work out, then you don't owe that piece of money to them. I'll give you an example. So let's say you agree on, we're actually looking at buying a, uh, a, a business right now. And we're going to buy in right up front with 25% cash, but we've got a, a purchase price with a clawback on it. So, you know, cause COVID has messed up everything, right? So who wants to buy a business in the middle of a COVID pandemic? And so you got to be careful. So what we did was we're putting 25% down up front and then we did a clawback and clawback says we got a million dollar purchase price. And if revenue declines, we're going to take the next year. And if the revenue declines 20%, then we're taking 20% off the purchase price. If revenue declines 30%, we're taking 30% off. So, so that's, when you say, uh, when you say that, like that they're going to give you the money back, or like, like what well, if in this case, in this case, we haven't put the money in. We've only put twenty five percent down out of out of one hundred percent of the purchase price. That's right. Okay. Okay. So we're not going to pay him out fully till a year from now. Okay. So he's going to own seventy five percent of the business for the next year, but at the end of that year, we're going to pay him out fully, but. That clawback is going to state, you know, that uh, if revenue declines, we're not paying you as much as we were going to initially. So I, I love that on acquisitions. You know, so can, can you do a clawback on any type of agreement? I mean, what are we talking about? Like if I'm buying a car, you know what I mean? From Let's say if I buy a car from you, right? And then I yeah. tell you, hey, I'm going to buy your Lambo, right? You, you know, your red Lambo, though. I'm going to buy the red one, okay? You want my red one? Yeah. I'll you keep the blue you. one. You keep the blue yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. So I'm going to buy the red one from you, right? Say, hey, 100 grand, and if the transmission doesn't go out, you know, uh, whatever, I'm going to deduct the cost of the transmission or whatever, you know. So, can, I mean, can it, can it be done on any type of deal or? Well, if, if you let go of all the money up front, right, then you got to make sure that that person has the wherewithal to give you the money back. Okay. And when you say when where I, all, what is the definition of that? Well, I mean, let's say integrity Lambo, or the financially both. Okay. Let, let, let's say the Lambo's 200 grand. Right. If you give him the full 200 and you say, Hey, if this goes wrong, I want 50,000 off the price. He's first off, he's got to have the integrity and the cash to give you the 50 grand back. Okay. So you always got to have a, a mechanism in place. That's going to uh, facilitate a clawback uh, yes. in case something happens. The best way to do that in that scenario, instead of you paying two hundred, is paying one fifty up right. front, and say, "I will give you the other fifty if none of these problems happen. If the problems happen, you're not getting the fifty. Right. Okay. And that's what I should have done on that restaurant. Instead, I gave the guy full cash up front. All this stuff happened that you know he says didn't really happen, but it really did, and then he didn't know about it, but he did. Yeah. And what I should have done is I should have given him. Going back, I would have given him sixty percent of the of the cash up front, and we'd have carried that that last forty percent on a note, and we would have given him the money. And if certain things happen, you know, revenue declined, the seller opens a restaurant in the same town, you know, whatever, you're not getting the rest of that money. So that's what I would do on any business that I buy going forward. Is I would have some kind of clawback in there that if things don't meet expectations or if you're lied to then you don't pay the rest of it so um 
Uh, I had a question. I forgot it now. Uh, oh, so let's say let's say um, you bought that restaurant, right? And and let's say you did have that um, in place, right? So you would have been let let's say for round numbers, you bought it for a million dollars, right? And um, you gave him six hundred cash. He financed four hundred, right? Yeah. Um, so, and let's say things didn't work out. Um, is the outcome uh, going to be that you didn't lose as much, but you still had a loss? Yes. Okay. Okay. Got it. Well, and you got to make sure that clawback is clearly defined because you don't want to sit there and say to him, hey, this was violated and this was violated. And I'm not paying you that other 400 grand. And he's like, no, 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 that, that's not the case. This wasn't violated, nor this was violated. I want my 400. Yep. So you got to make sure the clawbacks are very easy to uh, quantify. Yeah. Yeah. And by quantify, meaning like translated into numbers, right? Yes. Okay. Like the guy opens a restaurant within five miles. If, if he actually does that, you know, you get your car and you drive that length of the miles between your restaurant, and his restaurant, if he opens it up, that's easy to quantify, right? Right. It, let's say revenues decline 20% because of a certain event. COVID. COVID. You know, you, you, you're going you're gonna to write that number down beginning and on the on your clawback contract. If it drops to this, you know, then then that's violated too. So it's, you can't fight over that, right? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's clear. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Maybe that may be the biggest lesson tonight. Yeah. Quantifiable quantifiable because words can mean you know it can be vague and sometimes they're intentionally vague right you make a contract you make it kind of vague oh well you know if you put close if they if you put like hey if you know like uh well if a competitor opens up close you know like what's close what's the definition of close exactly yeah exactly and so that could that could be a, a whole year back and forth of course and attorney fees and stuff like that trying to get that figured out that's right. Yeah. So that's uh, so any deal moving forward, you're going to be getting a owner finance piece and um, that I'm not paying until a certain time in the future based on certain conditions. Okay. Got it. That's what we're going with. All right. Um, what other stuff happened that I would have done differently? Uh, any, any real estate um, deals gone bad? Oh, plenty, bro. Yeah. <laughs> plenty. Just give me but, one costly one. Well, I think I mentioned this a little bit before, but I bought houses in the hood. Yeah. I was a slumlord. <laughs> and it was great while it was great. And then it wasn't good when it all of a sudden wasn't good anymore. And so what changed was uh, that particular, it was a giant mistake. It was very simple. But on the front side, man, I had some smart people doing this with me. And uh, we were all doing it. But bottom line is there is if your in buyer cannot get approved for financing, yep. you know, let's say FHA loans, then your only buyer is investors. And so when investors leave, which they they ebb and flow in the hood. Right. Sometimes they're there. Other times they're not there. Right. Uh, when they leave, you got nobody left to sell to and you don't plummet 10 to 20 percent. Man, you plummet eighty to ninety percent, which is what happened to us. Right. So we got killed. 
We didn't lose 20 to 30%. We lost 80 to 90%. Now, fortunately, we had we had sold a lot of our stuff out, so we didn't have a ton left. But I had friends who had a ton left, and they mm-hmm. got they took it in shorts, man. Bad. So when when you're buying rental properties, you gotta buy the right stuff. You can't buy you can't buy too cheap. You can't buy too expensive. There, there's a little middle ground you got to get into, and you got to make sure that there's all kinds of buyers out there that the homeowners can actually buy. And guys, if you actually next week, we should probably um, we should we should look at your your uh, spreadsheet, man, the one that you created for me. Okay. You know, uh, so Shane uh, created a spreadsheet uh, with formulas that you can plug in. Uh, let's say if you if you're looking at a rental property or some kind of I mean, it does have to be real estate. Yeah, real estate, right? Because taxes and stuff you had in there. Um, so you can plug in, you know, the purchase price, your down, down payment and uh, the interest rate, and it'll show you uh, how much your taxes and interest and how much you're going to make and whether it'll be profitable. And uh, he made this for me because I call I call him <laughs> twice a week or once a week. <laughs> and I tell hey, I found I found this deal that looks good. And, uh, and then he'll put it into the spreadsheet and he'll be like, no, man, you're going to come on negative on this one. Yeah. And after, say, after spreadsheet, man, I got no more calls. No more calls. <laughs> we barely even speak anymore. <laughs> so, um, so, to, so next week, what we can do is we can go over that, that spreadsheet. Yeah, um, cool. So um, whenever, whenever you first started doing consulting with me, the first day we, you came in, we looked at all the expenses of the business, right? No, right. you said print, you said print me out the credit card statements, and I came back with twenty five, thirty pages. <laughs> crazy, <laughs> crazy, crazy stuff. Um, so, um, why why did you start there? Is that because of the biggest area of leakage? Yeah, that's where a lot of leakage is. Companies like yours, you have a lot of subscriptions, and you don't need them, and you don't even know you got them, right? Right. And so start with the expenses. Uh, but you focus on a little bit of everything. You try to look at PL and see what kind of spreads you have. And you try to measure it month over month versus the same time last year. Yeah. You know, you want to compare February to February of last year. Mm-hmm. Right. And you want to see if you want to see what kind of trends you're looking at. Right. And then, you know, so you look at you start with PLs, you know, try to notice trends, but then you look at expenses. What can we do to shave some of the expense off? Right. And just try to create better margins. You look at, you know, what are your margins? How do we get those margins up? So when people are, um, when we're shaving expenses, but other people talk about adding more expenses to not show profit. <laughs> this time about short. Huh? It's, it's a double short. Yeah. You, to me, I had this conversation with a guy last week. The guy, uh, he has huge equity in like three buildings that are all paid off. He wants to do a cash out loan. He's got a body shop business. I was like, how much you show on your taxes? He goes, well, that's the problem. I don't show any. <laughs> right. So he's got, he's got three buildings that are probably worth seven or $800,000. He owes nothing on them, man. He's got them paid off free and clear. So he's in great shape. He's better than 98% of the folks out there, but he's got one problem. And his one problem is he doesn't show he makes any money. And so, therefore, he can't go to any bank and get financing on a cash-out loan to do anything that he wants to do. Yeah, that's, so, that's the biggest problem. Yeah. So what I told him was, I go, there's a magic number. And what you need to do is you need to call your mortgage broker 
and find out how much do I need to show to refinance this and to pull some of this cash out, right? Yeah. If he, if he wants to pull 300000 out of that 700000 of value, the broker is going to run these debt-to-income ratios to figure out how much he needs to show an in income. And I told him, you just need to suck it up and pay it. You know, you make the money, you write everything off, but uh, once you figure out what that number is, go to your CPA then and figure out how much tax you're going to pay on that number. Right. Let's say the number's 90 grand. The mortgage guy said you need to show 90 grand to qualify for these loans, right? Then he goes to the CPA and says, how much is 90 grand going to cost me? The guy's going to run the numbers and he might come back and say, 90 grand is going to cost you eight grand. Yeah, that's not bad. Not bad. That's not bad. For what you're going to get, it's well worth it to pay eight grand, right? How how much are you going to get at the bank for 90 grand? Showing 90 grand profit. How much will the bank loan on that? Uh, they're they're gonna it, they do this whole ratio. It's called a debt to income ratio. You can look it up. But essentially, yeah. what they do is they add uh, they take what you make month monthly, right? So if you make ninety grand, that's going to be like seven grand a month. Someone says good stuff. Good. I'm glad somebody's enjoying it. So you take ninety grand, you divide it by twelve, whatever that comes to. Let's say it's seven thousand dollars, right? Then they are going to let you do 45% of 7000 on all of your debt. Okay. So 45% of seven grand is, let's say just for easy math, let's say it's 3200 bucks. Yeah. So all of your debt can't be greater than 3200 But if you have a guy that has no house payment, he's got no car payment, dude, that dude could qualify for a lot. That ninety grand could potentially qualify him for... 500 grand. Right? Oh, okay. Okay. But if he, and here are the four things they use four things, bro. They do your, your mortgage payment, car payments, student loans, and credit card minimums. If your minimum is 25 bucks, but you pay 300 a month, they don't go by the 300. They go by the $25 minimum. Yeah. So those are the four items of debt. Mortgage, car loan, student loan, and credit card minimums. And then they take the income. So you got your income over here, somewhere over here. And then they take those four things. And that's what they do. That's how they do a debt-to-income ratio. We can put that on a spreadsheet if yeah, people yeah. see any value in that. That thing is – and then you don't even have to, like, wonder if you get approved anymore, right? It's like, hey, you just approve yourself. Okay, do you meet the number? Take that's that. Exactly right. Yeah. That's yeah. what underwriting does. All right. We're at 30 minute mark, man. All right, bro. Yeah. I, I like it. Well, I think we'll end up there. It was a good, uh, good session today. If you guys have uh, anything that you're looking at that you want Shane to look at or me to look at, we're happy to help you. And uh, we're coming at you live. We're going to try and keep it on Wednesdays, depending on our schedule, if anything comes up. And uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Any last words, Shane? Yeah. You guys let us know if there's anything in particular you want to talk about. Because one thing I will tell you, masterminds are great. And the number one thing is you were going to talk about, you know, we were talking about what are the what are the mistakes we made. I'll tell you one of the biggest mistakes I made is not getting wise counsel. Right? Yeah. And so all the mistakes I've made, I'm able to pass it on to you, bro, because you're about 20 years younger than me. <laughs> and you get to benefit from all of my screw-ups, which That's is not like- fair to me, but... <laughs> It works out great, but you know, you got to have counsel. You got to have wise counsel to keep you out of dumb mistakes. 
And that's what we're here to do. So if you have a question, shoot it to us. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in tonight. Take care. Stay safe. We'll talk to you guys next week. See you next time.